Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Noted Podcast. We missed you. It is the end of the NBA season, meaning that we are so sad because there's no more basketball to watch. Now we got to watch baseball. Uh, and the MLS. Uh, so That's it is it's rough out here, boys. Uh, but what is great is that we have received the draft. And now we're starting to talk about some potential sign-in trades, and then obviously free agency is starting soon. So, got a packed episode today. First things first, Golden State Warriors have won their fourth championship, I believe, in the, the last, is it eight years? I want to make sure that I got that number right. I think so. Four uh, right. chips, uh, Draymond Green calling up LeBron James saying, it's crazy. We got the same amount of rings, uh, which I think has something to do with the GOAT debate. Uh, <laughs> that is the conversation we're having. But uh, first first impressions that you guys have. Let, let's start it off with Carson. What, what are your first impressions from the finals and the Warriors taking it in six? Yeah, I think it just confirmed what I thought. I said it before the before the theory started that the Celtics are going to have a hard time keeping up with the Warriors offense they're just as great as the players on the Celtics are they are not as well constructed offensive team as Warriors even though they were probably the better defensive team and overall I think like the experience that the Warriors had just was too much Steph Curry was too good um and I think this was the most likely outcome and you know good on the Warriors and and Steve Kerr for coaching a a hell of a series. I, uh, I tried to be hopeful and, you know, tried to use some minor superstition to see if the Celtics could make some magic happen. But yeah, I agree. I think on all fronts, um, the Warriors were just a more finals ready team and the Celtics, uh, have potential of being that soon, but not this year. Here's a crazy fact for you guys. Did you know that if you would have converted all of Steph Curry's three-pointers to two-pointers, he still would have led all players in scoring in the finals? He's so good. <laughs> He's a very yeah, good basketball. That's his shot of choice. A lot, a lot of points. <laughs> um, now, Curry wins his fourth championship and his first at last finals <laughs> MVP. Uh, so coveted, uh, has won practically every award uh, that pretty much matters at this point for him because I don't think he's getting Defensive Player of the Year anytime soon. Uh, and I think he could make a case for best teammate. I don't know. But um, I think it is amazing. I think it's remarkable that the Warriors were able to get back to this point. I will say that I think this is the weakest the Western Conference has been um in a long time and i think Thanks, this son. next year it is going to be absolutely terrifying because the clippers and the nuggets are back so now we have this bolstered roster in portland with the new trade um and so i, I don't know if this is something that can be replicated uh for the warriors but at least for this year they made it out of the west and I think it is very impressive that they were able to beat Boston. <clears throat> Do you guys feel that this was more Golden State winning or Boston losing? If I had to, I would say more 
Golden State winning because Boston was tired. Like, Boston had by far the hardest run to the finals I've seen in a long, long, long time. Like, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving in the first round, and then Giannis second round. Jimmy Butler, who is probably second best player, maybe first best, depending on how you feel about Steph Curry, like, in this playoffs. <laughs> So that's a hard, and by the time you get to the finals, like, that's so many games. Like, I think there was some stat out there that they had played the most amount, or, like, tied for the most amount of playoff games played in one postseason run, which is, like, insane. And And so, you know, there's, yeah, and it there's there's an element to, like, being fatigued, you know, and, and going between so many cities so many times, and, but at the end of the day, like, that you can only say, oh, it was fatigue so much, you know, like the Celtics are still a good team and Warriors, I think just straight up were the better team most of the time. And that's kind of just what happened. Yeah. In hindsight, you look at before the series and the way I felt like I was, you know, I could have seen Warriors taking it in five and then Boston gave them a good game one. So it kind of shook things up for everybody. But if you go back to the beginning, I don't think anybody really had the Celtics winning the chip. So well, the ES- ESPN had him at like a what was it eighty three percent chance? Yeah, something ridiculous. Not that power rank, or, their yeah. power index or something. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was yeah, it's some weird. <laughs> so I bet dumb. a lot of people who bet money in San Francisco uh, made off pretty well <laughs> with those odds. Yeah. Um, how much of that has to do with Jason Tatum's performance in the finals? A lot, I think. I mean, Jason Tatum's a great player, and obviously he did a really a lot of great things this postseason. But I mean, there was there's a lot of talk like is was Jalen Brown like better than Jason Tatum in the, in the postseason yeah. and like you know it, or in those finals? And it's like I think it was a little disappointing to not see Jalen Ta- or Jason Tatum, Tatum step Tatum, up. Uh, yeah same same thing but you know everyone was kind of hoping he would step up and there would be this battle between him and Steph and that kind of didn't really happen but that's not to say that he can't do it if that makes sense yeah the Celtics had like really good play minus Jason Tatum in the in game one and then Jason Tatum kind of regulated himself but at the end of the day this is like what was his fourth season in the NBA so you, you take that into account when he's on a team that has zero finals experience and he just played one of the longest playoff runs any team in NBA history has. Like it, the odds were against him, and you like to see players rise above that, but I think he definitely has an excuse that, you know, he didn't necessarily need to in order. Like, no one's doubting that he's a good player because of his finals performance. But, uh, yeah, it definitely wasn't, like, he, it, it wasn't, something like set up on a platter for him it wasn't something that he just needed to go out and take like he was gonna have to fight no matter what so uh great great player was it detrimental to his team's failure yeah but the rest of the team didn't do too great either so it is what it is but it does beg the question how many other players have gotten through that moment you know maybe one of jason tatum's idols comes to mind uh with kobe um, Kobe yeah. faced a lot of similar issues with teammates, uh, where he didn't have the best team, um, and still was able to break through. You know what I mean? Like, 
I just feel like situations like this really separate a player from be- being like one of those all-time greats that always, even under all the pressure, performs, which I feel like we've seen from Jimmy Butler, which was like why I hold him to such a high regard. Um, but also, there's also those moments with these players where they just don't shine uh, in the moment that they <laughs> need to. Even in that, though, Kobe did really good in his first finals, but Shaq was the finals MVP. So Jason Tatum is not even – it's not a it's not a debate. Jason Tatum is the best player on the Celtics. So, yeah. I mean, if you take into account that the Lakers had, like, a better setup for Kobe, Kobe ended up getting his in the finals, right? I think he won at least a couple finals MVPs before he was done. But uh, it was just – I don't, I don't see this as a dent in Jason Tatum's career so far. He's gotten to the Eastern Conference Finals once. He's gotten to the Finals once. Like, he's going to have a good career ahead of him. I, I do I, see him getting one eventually. I agree. I think, like, I, I, I don't it, – it's kind of like in the argument where, pe- like, I, where, where people say, like, oh, Michael Jordan is better than LeBron because he never lost in the Finals, which I, I'm not saying I subscribe to that, but, like, that idea right. of, like – Oh, LeBron has been to so many finals, but he didn't win so many of them. But it's like, well, he still got to the finals so he many times. There. And it's like, yeah. I feel like there's a similar argument with Jason Tatum where, like, the fact that he got to the finals at all should be, like, oh, he, like, should be a positive on his resume than, oh, he lost in the finals, so that's a negative. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. He's already been to half of the amount of finals the Jazz have been to. Yeah. Yeah. You had to go. You had to go there. It's true. Oh. Well, if that's the case, then he's the greatest of all time. True. Uh, put it up in the rafters. <laughs> put it up we'll we'll put it up for Jason. We'll retire the zero. <laughs> um, but it it is. I I don't know if you guys share the sentiment, but that that was kind of a boring finals. Yes. Uh, it was maybe not the most exciting. I was like reminiscing um, on probably my favorite finals I've ever experienced, which was uh, San Antonio and uh, Miami uh, when my Miami won that championship. That was um, the game seven, like that. That's entertainment. You know what I mean? And just comparing that experience that I had as a humongous Dwayne Wade fan, you know, and maybe maybe that there's some like bias there, right? But that was exciting. This was like so confusing because like I just wanted to see this duel and it looked like it was more just one it was like pretty close for the first half and then one team would break away in the second half and then it was just over. And there was really only one game that was close, which I believe was game four, mm-hmm. uh, if I'm not mistaken. But Um yeah. We all hoped, you know, like we'd we'd seen the playoffs so far and there'd really be only been one good decent i should say it was you could debate that it was good or decent uh series so far and we're like well maybe we'll get a break away from what the playoffs has held so far we didn't it was just a continuation of the rest of the playoffs and i don't know why maybe it was just because it was like the first full season since covid and i maybe players were just tired i don't know but could be hopefully next year we get back to something super exciting that we're i mean with everybody um, getting healthy again it's looking like it's gonna be that. Yeah, next year's yeah. gonna be a bloodbath. And Hopefully. maybe no more COVID issues means Kyrie Irving 
plays more games and hopefully he does because that would be exciting i remember spending a ton of money on tickets to go watch the brooklyn (laughs) nets uh to find out that it was just going to be all the bench warmers uh, replacements (laughs) Yeah, I think we went to that one together in the yeah, jazz. I don't. Like I don't even think that like Joe. That. I don't even think that Joe Harris played. Like that's that's how it was, how bad it was. <laughs> he um, either didn't play or was like the best player on the team. Can't yeah, remember. It was like it was rough. We beat him by like thirty five points. It was ugly. And I was like, man, I spent all this money to see Kevin Durant and Kyrie. Yeah. So hopefully that's going to change and we'll have that opportunity. But it does look like. All these players that were super injured are starting to come back, right? We even hear James Wiseman might play in the summer league uh, for the Warriors, which is exciting. Uh, and we have all these awesome prospects from the from the draft. So I, I guess let's transition to this point. The draft happened. Who's the biggest winner? And oh, was Orlando crazy. crazy by going Bancaro first instead of Jabari Smith? I like this. I love talking draft. I even though the Jazz don't have draft picks, one of one of my favorite times of every year is is looking at everyone's uh, mock up drafts and like see where people think people are gonna land and hearing. It's just so exciting to me and like the the idea of like oh who's gonna be the next star. And so I, I listen to a lot of podcasts about. I mean, for for months, everyone's thought it's you know top three are Bancaro, Chet, and Jabari, and and it was like okay, where where does everyone go? And then Chet was talked about number one for a while, and then it was Jabari, and it was interesting because Bancaro was never really considered number one until like day of draft, and Woj was like, Orlando is thinking of taking Bancaro first, and it was like what? And it was so much fun, but I I don't think it's a I like it. Um. He's got a really good basketball body. I think he has a lot of potential. The interesting thing is, like, with Chet, is, like, you could have taken him first, but, like, he has... I think Chet has, like, the highest upside of any... Like, potential highest upside of any player in this draft, but also the, like, one of... Like, has a really high chance to not be a successful player. So I do think Orlando made a right a good choice in Ben Carroll. I think that's a gamble, but like I like the gamble. I think it if it works out it could be really, really good for them. And also with your question of who's the winner of the draft, it's gotta be OKC, right? Like I think OKC did so so well. I think I think there's two teams. I do think there's two. I have another team in mind, but Yeah. And it, we're I'll probably you, all I'll, thinking the same. Yeah, I hope, I think. So. What do you think? I Greg? like OKC. I think their picks are nice, but it has to be the Pistons, like a hundred percent the Pistons. That was the other team, Pistons. Like, wow. They... I don't. I don't see a team that did that. And honestly, the fact that they got Ivy, like, man, so big. Like Sacramento. Jaden Ivy. And we we kind of <laughs> talked about oh, Sacramento's just doing their own thing. Um, and I guess I'll I'll keep on Ben Carroll real quick. I. From the college games that I watched, I watched a few. I didn't watch a lot, but I did try to see some with the top prospects. I think Ben Carroll is the best player coming out of college. Now, the transition to college and NBA is always different. You know what I mean? Like, Donald, uh, Donovan Mitchell was taken at 13, never averaged over, like, 14 points a game in college, and then averaged 20-plus points in his rookie season. So it's like things can change. Uh, they they find their, their niche, and they go for it. But 
as far as talent goes and what they did for their teams, like Bancaro by far for me was like yeah, the best and, so and that was makes sense. Yeah. And that was kind of the talk around Ben Caro, right? It was like he is probably the most NBA, like right now most NBA ready player in the draft. But it was yeah. a question of like, does he have the highest mm -hmm. upside? And I, I don't think like taking the best like you always hear like just take the best player. And I think like at this moment right now, Ben Caro is probably the best player. And yeah. so that's why I don't necessarily hate it. I think it, you know, could yeah. be really good. I feel like yeah. he had the best like all around, right? Well, like yeah. someone like Jabari Smith, I feel like is one of the best defensive candidates in the draft. So although that didn't that pick didn't go as planned, Jabari Smith is gonna be, you know, he's gonna be crazy. I mean, we looked at Mikel Bridges and what he was able to accomplish with the, the Suns. Uh, just being this like young defensive presence, right? Um, but we're looking at a player that not only can be that good defensively, like potential DPOY candidate, but someone who can also provide a lot on the offensive end, unlike like a Matisse Teibel, right? Who's still mm -hmm. defensive really good, but offensively he's not great. Um, I also don't think that it was smart to take Chet uh, if you're Orlando because you have Mobamba, uh, which is a very similar player, kind of like unicorny type of player and he's so, really risky yes uh um, but in in the case of okc to take chet i think that is so great uh you have another player who's already a lot like him uh i forget what his name is it is a crazy name but both of them Bukajewski. just to <laughs> both of them are as tall as kevin durant uh i believe so it's they're tall okay so mm -hmm. If Chet, and I mean, we saw Rudy Gobert, we saw Giannis Antetokounmpo, they were skinny when they came into the league. If Chet, who I believe is more coordinated than they were, right? If Chet is able to put on some weight, and we always look at, you know, he's not bad defensively, right? I think we just looked he's at his body. Defender, yeah. He's a really good defender. Against college players. It's true. Sure, <laughs> right? But, but they're... <laughs> Events the WCC. Some of them, nonetheless. <laughs> hey, but John Morant was a college player, and I mean, body wise, he didn't change much. He was doing a lot of the same stuff. You know what I mean? John sure, Morant, it's a different uh, league, but different player, different grow. Right you grow up into that, into that role. So I don't think it's too bad. Plus, you already have Lou Dort uh, on the team, and so as far as defensive, you know who's going to be on the number one player. All he has to do is just be tall, right? But the things that he's going to be able to provide with a team with Giddy, I think that's huge. And a lot of the focus is going to be on uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, uh, right? So this is a really good spread. I think Chet fits in really nice uh, and is that one piece that they're looking to add. I think all they need at this point is a really good veteran player, and they're a playoff contender. No, no I think they're, they're on their way. Um... I'm going to reserve most of my honest feelings towards Holmgren. Uh, I'll just say I'll just say that I've never really. I just don't see it. But um, he can't I, hurt I BYU OKC, anymore. I know. Honestly, it was we BYU was hurt by Timmy more than Holmgren. That's <laughs> not that's not my point. Um, what I'll say is OKC fans seem to be very excited, and so I'm excited. Um, but yeah, to get back onto the Pistons train. Jaden Ivey at the five was a steal. I think yeah. Jaden Ivey could Robert. fit into any freaking NBA team on in the league. Like, 
the dude is a talent. And if you watch his highlights, if you just watch him play a basketball game, he reads it differently. And I, I watched uh, I watched a couple analysts on him and like Jaden Ivey is there's no comparison because the dude is Jaden Ivey. Like he's his own man. <laughs> and I like that. I like that about that. I'm excited to see what he does. And then the the pick that they got at 13 with Jalen Duran, they've needed some down low presence for a while. And, you know, he's he'll have some work ahead of him. But I think I think that was a smart move. And uh, just the idea of Jaden Ivey and Cade Cunningham on the same team, like Mm-hmm. the future looks bright in Detroit for the first yeah. time in a long time. I absolutely 100% agree. Like Pistons knocked it out of the park. It speaks a lot to Jay Nivey of how many teams fought for that Sacramento fourth pick, mm-hmm. right? Like there were rumors everywhere that Sacramento was going to trade it. And then for some reason they didn't, and they didn't pick Jane Ivey. Like the minute they didn't pick Jane Ivey, you knew like, Oh, Pistons are, won the draft not necessarily one you know like in the conversation for winning the draft like that's how good of a pick it was and also like i feel like he's just such a good player to play alongside um cade cunningham mm-hmm. like those two and and like the potential t- like star talent in those two in the future is just incredible I, and i think like similarly to what you guys said about okc where they need a veteran like i think if the Pistons are able to get a veteran, maybe like, like DeAndre Ayton or something, like that could be huge, right? Like they just have such. Now? After this draft, they were already having a pretty bright future with, uh, um, Cade Cunningham last year. But mm-hmm. wow, that that move with Jeremy Grant and then getting like, oh wow, I I'm just impressed. I'm very impressed yeah, with the Pistons. I agree. Yeah. Uh. I think one of the things that I'm most excited about this Jonathan Ivy acquisition through the, uh, through the draft is just seeing how absolutely how much he loves this game. Uh, it, it made me almost choke up just seeing him sit with his mom uh, mm-hmm. on that draft night and just being able to like, how, how often do we see that where an NBA player is inspired by his mom uh, in basketball and just being a WNBA star right. coach in Notre Dame, like, so cool, okay. Uh, I don't know if it was W. It was it was college. She was a college star, um, but that was so awesome because I feel like that's something that isn't super represented, and I also feel that um, someone like him who has this much passion and love for the game is exactly what Detroit needs because that has been so boring over there. And no, now, so Cade, who's super exciting, and John and, uh, and Ivy, who's basically loves basketball and he's just willing to play wherever and he's so glad that he didn't make it to the kings this is gonna be great (laughs) it's gonna be exciting and i mean that's one of the things that uh, i remember hearing about sacramento not wanting to take him is because he didn't want to play there uh which is also a really bad sign uh, if you're sacramento that players are (laughs) actively saying i don't want to play and i i don't know if you guys saw keegan's face but he didn't look too excited um when he got that um, but for you. maybe, maybe we, they see something we don't, uh, we just hope that it's not another catastrophic failure, but I think it's, uh, I think it's evident that Sacramento does not want people who love Sacramento, uh, and also does not want passion. Uh, they just want people who, who knows what like they, they want. Were, I don't know what they want. <laughs> well, one they, they should have done is gone through with moving to Seattle. That's what they should have done. Yeah. <laughs> They're just like, look, Sabonis, he was an all-star. 
<laughs> yeah. Look at this guy. Hey, good job. <laughs> he's the, he's the, he wants to be part of we the group project, and he did nothing. Furb's opponent. All-star. But it, it has been a super exciting draft. And I want to speak as far as like Jazz fans. I'm so excited for Johnny Juzang. I remember, uh, I remember watching Juzang, and I was like, "Holy crap! This guy's going to be a top candidate." Um, obviously, two years ago, uh, top candidate in the draft. Um, no, I think it was one of the MVPs of that March Madness uh, two years ago. It was just crazy scoring, clutch moments, and just to have him on on the Jazz and you know getting paid the minimum pretty cool so yeah. we're excited cockburn great name uh to start off we uh, love coffee cockburn <laughs> love him um discount discount yudoka uh just kidding yudoka should be scared <laughs> he should be scared for his roster spot terrified yep yep cockburn um, is here to tear it up <laughs> there's a reason he's got the d <laughs> <laughs> um <sighs> but on on the on the Bright side, positivity, you know, I'm glad that this was the player that we got on an undrafted free agent. Yeah, I did a little deep dive on him because I I remember his upside going into, like, previous seasons of this most current one. And uh, he actually didn't drop off statistically. Um, I mean, technically he did, but it was a, just a... 1% in his field goal percentage, less than 1% in his three-point percentage. He basically was deuces as far as his rebounds per game, assists per game, and he was 0.4 off of his points per game. So, like, why his draft stock plummeted, I think that just goes to the surprise of how deep this draft actually might have been. But uh, the Jazz may have gotten lucky. On, on this pickup because there's a lot of analysts and especially Pac-12 um, reporters that are just like, there's no way there's 60 players better than Johnny Juzang, but see what happens. Yeah. One of my NBA favorite, yeah, my, one of my absolute favorite things in the past, what, like five, six years in the NBA is how valuable second round picks and undrafted rookies, rookies have become. I think like historically in the NBA, it's like, Typically, if you weren't drafted first round, like you had no shot, right? Yeah. Like every once in a while, you'd get a second rounder that would turn out to be pretty good. But like undrafted rookies were like, it was very rare for them to stick around in the league very long. And, you know, like it's just so fun to see so many of them like sticking around and like how valuable they are. And it's like you can get ex not necessarily excited, but like anytime your team has a second round pick or like gets undrafted rookies, it's like, Oh, like it's what it'll be fun to see. Like who's an, who's a hit, like who gets a hit in, in the, the area that no one thought anyone would turn out to be any good in, you know? Um, and you know, if, if all, if it works out, like the, the jazz don't have wings to begin with. So I think if there's anybody you take a risk on, it is Juzang cause he has had that NBA potential for a while. I like the prospects of having a nice tall guard. It's just not something the Jazz have had for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And so. young guys might play now because yeah. Snyder's gone. Woo! Oh. 
Hey, it's a 50-50, okay? It's a catch-22. At least our young guys are now going to get some experience and maybe we might be able to see something happen. But we are living in an era where a second-round pick has become a back-to-back MVP and where an undrafted free agent not only has received an all-star nod, but a max deal. Um, That's true. So we are living in that era. So let's hopefully some of those things can happen because I've yet to see Butler, you know, make that big jump that we were expecting. Uh, I'm hoping that that will show up. I I, I kind of lost faith in Butler for a while, but the end of his his season when he was actually able to get some playing time due to injury and COVID, he played better than I, I, you know, had hoped. And maybe this is the year. And I mean... We saw an absolute jump uh, in performance from Jordan Poole. I mean, like, hopefully that's another thing that can happen where just some things are shaken up and then all of a sudden you're just a completely different player, right? Uh, Jordan Poole also being, what, like the, wasn't he the 29th pick? Late first, I think. You know what I mean? So... I'm hoping that we can make some changes. I think ideally, as a Utah Jazz fan, I hope that Donovan and Rudy stay uh, and that we can just trade other pieces around. Um, I, I, I know that it, it makes sense to trade Rudy. You know, spe- speaking just like, we've tried this, it hasn't worked, what do you do now, right? Do you just keep failing, potentially lose your star in Donovan? Or do you run it back and hopefully it works this time? You know, what what was the difference between this season and last season in the fact that the Jazz, um, you know, have come so short from their regular season that they had before where they were number one? Um, so I don't, I don't know, like, it, it kind of hurts my heart because Rudy has been so loyal and he's such a mm-hmm. good person and you just love having such good people on your team. Uh, I remember that one time that COVID had a bunch of furloughs and uh, Rudy decided to pay like everybody's paycheck to help the jazz <laughs> be able to keep their employees. That's crazy. You know, just gives so much and I would love to keep him here. And I really think he is a, a central piece in a championship, but we need someone else. We need a second option to score. Yeah. What I will say about this whole Rudy Gobert situation is the longer it goes on, the longer I think that Rudy probably stays simply for the fact that, like, you look at the the potential trades that have been, like, leaked, and it's, like, Atlanta, Chicago, and Minnesota are, like, the three big ones that I really heard the most talk about. And then recently, Atlanta and Minnesota basically just straight up said, yeah, Utah was asking too much. And then now in Chicago, Chicago's kind of being like, yeah, Utah's asking too much. And it's not that I don't think Rudy's worth that. I think if you trade a person that's so, like, central to your overall scheme, you need to get a good enough return in order to match what that player, like, puts out every night. You know what I mean? And I think not – I don't think Rudy's untradeable in the sense that no team wants him. Clearly, like, every team wants Rudy Gobert. I think it's the fact that it's really hard to find a a potential suitor – to trade with Gobert simply because he has so much value. And I, I'm not yeah. sure there's any team out there that has enough value 
that they can give in return to the Jazz for Rudy Gobert, that is a move that makes sense yeah. for them. It's like a, it's I agree. It's a really interesting deal that's hard to work around. I think um, the Jazz are going to try to wrap up this coaching search within the next week. This isn't this isn't me being an insider and having sources. This is just the way I see this offseason playing out. They obviously pro- – I think they had some sort of an idea of what they wanted to do with the draft. It just depended on how things played out, and it didn't play out the way that they wanted to where they felt like they could make any moves. I think what they're going to do now is probably try to get in a coach before July 1st. That way when free agency kicks in, they know so they can watch who's going to be coaching the team and what is his outlook for the Jazz. And that's going to play a big part into – you know, the deals that the Jazz will make and if that includes one of our stars or if that just includes moving some some role players or some, you know, a, a Mike Conley or a Bojan Bogdanovic. Um, I think the Jazz um, would definitely be making a mistake if they didn't uh, at least try to move. Um, I think I'm not wording this right. What they need to do is they need to find... Um, moves for their other starters that aren't Gobert and Donovan first. That's my opinion. If they can find a decent athletic defensive guard that can start next to Donovan, whether you want to move Don to the one permanently or keep him at the two, um, I think that's something that they ought to look for first. And I think if I'm Ryan Smith, the one who offered these two players their max deals, I would say that's the goal. Um, but, yeah, I think the catalyst to what happens is definitely getting a new coach in. I agree. I think it just goes to show how hard it is to build a, a roster in this league, mm-hmm. right? Like, especially with yeah. with the tax and, and, the, and the luxury and the luxury tax and how much you have to pay if you go over. Like, everything just has to – like, in order to win a championship, everything just has to work out. Like, yeah. construct, like roster construction-wise, like – Unless you're like a, a select few teams who can get like big name free agents, most teams like have to go through trades and draft, and it's just so hard. And I think like the, this Jazz offseason so far is showing like it is really hard because trades have to benefit both both teams, right? And it's it's yeah. just hard to find accepted people who want to trade. I I just feel like with the Jazz, it's so. When you have Rudy Gobert on your team, it's so specific. It's a very unique situation that isn't just like other situations because he's so Plug and play good. type of situation. But it's like you, you yeah, I mean you, you need to have I honestly think we're Western Conference contenders when we get a point of attack defender who's really good. I think if we had Drew Holiday, we could win a championship. I agree. Yep. Uh, and it's it's crazy. We're that close. We're that yeah, close. It, the know? Jazz have to be in a win now mindset, and you hate to be in a win now because it can pay. It can leave you stranded, like in future years ahead. But they've gotten so close at this point that if they go into even a slight rebuild this year, like you're gonna you're gonna take some players off. Some players are gonna want out. Donovan. So it's like. They got to make a move now if they want to keep what they have or else it's rebuild time again. Absolutely. But that's the thing that's hard, right? If we had some more leverage yeah. with Donovan and if we weren't so afraid to lose him, 
maybe that is like a, a middle rebuild, you know, let let kind of things kind of play out this season. But I just feel I like that it's kind of breathing down our necks at this point, right? It's sad that we don't have leverage. Like, there's some teams that are rumored for Donovan, and one of them's the Heat. I get that, but the Knicks, like, that's not happening. I get Never. it. You're a big market. You get to play in a big city. Success since 2000 has been nothing. Like they made the playoffs with Carmelo maybe three times, and they didn't do anything. Their like, draft I don't night. Know why? Their draft night. All of that awfulness that they did draft night. Just to get cap room to sign Jay, or, uh, Jalen, Jalen Brunson. Brunson. Like, yeah. that alone shows you, like, they are not yeah. a functional front office. Like, Jay, I love Jalen Brunson as much as the next guy, but he is not the, the number one free. Like, oh, he's, he's not. Like, straight up, let's be real. Like, even though Dallas lost to Utah, like, Utah's top two were better. Like, Utah's second player was better than Dallas' second player. Even though Dallas won, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, I don't. I don't think Jalen. We're getting off topic, but yeah. Magic. that's yeah. It's it's hard. I feel like this is such a weird playoffs. I mean, we saw the collapse that happened to the Suns. Uh, we saw the Celtics just under deliver, but like these teams are amazing. So how is this going to translate to next season? I have no idea. The Western Conference is going to be one of the hardest Western Conferences we've seen in a long time. Hell, Portland might even be a little bit of a contender with Jeremy Grant. You know, we never know. But all things considered, I just really want to be back on a fourth or third place team as the Chess. It was sad going from one to five, and I just don't know what's next. I don't know. I just wish... We could be a fly on the wall in Donovan Mitchell's house and just know what he feels. Because I, I know that he wants to stay, right? But I can also see him who has no ties to Utah. You know, yes, we chose him. We believed in him. But it's like everybody else believes in him now. He's proven himself. And I see Donovan Mitchell as someone who wants to do the best for his family. Uh best in his career and do it the right way but i don't think i see him as like a damien uh damien lillard uh where he's yeah. just blindly faithful and will just do whatever it takes to stay with portland which is so cool like uh, even beal uh, a lot of the similar situations and now he could be potentially going for the max which is huge for him you know what i mean um, even Kyrie, you know, he can make the right choice. He can stay with the Brooklyn and run it back because I think they honestly would have a really good shot if everybody's healthy. So, I don't know. It's tough. I, I just wish I wish we could know. I know, where, I know where Rudy's heart is at, and I hope that this whole experience of what he has been having to go through, um, for some reason I see people slandering Rudy's name on Twitter, which is crazy. Like, I just... I, as a jazz fan, how do you hate on Rudy? Like, I just don't yeah. get it. I don't get it. I but, just want to say, real I, quickly. Yeah, please. Imagine 11 years ago, where the Jazz would have taken Clay Thompson at third and Kawhi Leonard at ten. Just saying. Just saying. Oh man. Just saying. That, that would be another world we live in. 
How do we know what happened in that dimension? But what if we took Jimmer for dead? That's what I'm asking, all right? In that dimension, we also don't sell the number one pick that would have been Magic Johnson to the Lakers. We would have, Magic Johnson would have been a would have been a New Orleans Jazz or Utah Jazz whenever that City would be a utopia. Yeah. <laughs> Ima- imagine if it was called a push off, how different the situation would be. Yeah, I like that universe. Let's go. Uh, yeah, there's another universe where that freaking shot w- wasn't called a shot clock violation. Because it wasn't a shot clock violation. Or when Steve Kerr that didn't uh, have been called a shot clock violation. <laughs> uh, this is like a therapy uh, session. Or or the or if Donovan doesn't get called for the backcourt violation or or what, oh, or no, what was the the time? That's what it was. The eight second violation. Eight second. Oh, oh man. You just you just think what if what if Mike Conley had made the shot? Mike Conley hit the shot. You know? It is just what if Mike Conley never traveled? That's the most recent one, right? <laughs> you just you just hate to see it. Um, oh, man, I'm so bummed out about Mike Conley. I'm not going to lie to you guys. It, it worked for a season, man. For a season, he was so bad. And that one season, season we were first. the number one. That one season, we were number one in the, in the league. That shows you how good he made our team. Because yeah. he, he was an all-star. Yep. Well, technically, through injuries, but still counts. He got there. D'Angelo Russell, same thing. You know what I mean? I just, I honestly don't, I don't see how we can win games when we have undersized guards who can't defend. That's the thing. You can have, I think, at worst, you can have one undersized guard and have it work. You can't have two. Like, in modern NBA, with how valuable big wings are, like, where it's like small ball, but not really small ball, because everyone's like six six or taller. Like small guards, just you can only have one. You can't have two. You won't survive. And I think uh, that kind of got exposed with the Jazz. We we can't even play small ball because we're too small. You know exactly. That's <laughs> it's that's true. The, it's true. That's the big that's point serious. with the Clippers. Like they played small ball, but the smallest person on the court was six 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 seven. Like that's not small ball. That's just. <laughs> Everyone's tall except center who might be a couple inches shorter. Yeah. Like the average height is still way taller than the other team. (laughs) So true. It's, it's rough. And now the Clippers might be even getting John wall who, who knows what that's going to happen, how that's even going to look like, but it's crazy, man. I just, it's really hard as a jazz fan to believe that we have any kind of shot to even contend uh, in the in the and the West is going to be brutal next year too. It's, it's going to be so it's much harder, and we got fifth yeah. place this year. Uh, and it seems like each team is getting super bolstered uh, in the Western Conference. And now, New Orleans might be one of the best teams in the West. We we need a reform. Uh, we need a <laughs> we need a reform, please. <laughs> put, us, put us in the same division as the the. The Pistons and the Magic, please. Uh, but yeah, you, you kind of get into those situations where you just hope that things happen and you don't you don't know. You just never know. But it is not looking great for Jazz fans. Uh, and it's going to take some kind of miracle and or Donovan Mitchell just being able to put up MVP numbers this season for us to even have a shot. Uh, to be you have to think. 
Yeah, you have to think that the front office is like, suit, like analyzing everything right now. Well, like they have to be right. Absolutely. You can't think that they're just off to golf right now. Like they have to be sitting there trying to draw something up and exploring any any and all options. But not, but not like the jerseys. No. Yeah. Luckily, that's more on the de- the, the the design Cosmetic team. sign. <laughs> the design team and you know Ryan Smith, whatever. They don't have to do with the cosmic energy that is going into the team. But oh man, I know. Just like in an off season like this, they drop those jerseys. It's tough. But yeah. we live in a in a universe where Donovan Mitchell's still on the Jazz, Rudy Gobert's still on the Jazz, and so I'm I'm a happy Jazz fan for the time. Yeah. Uh, purple purple is back. You know, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Almost wasn't. <laughs> Almost wasn't, but maybe this is, is a little. Uh, maybe this is a little blessing in disguise uh, that we had such terrible jerseys that it brought purple back, and we love that one. So, yeah. Um, but I mean, it's probably going to be this way for the next five years. So uh, deal with it. Uh, I guess is what we were supposed to do. But anyway. Great talk. A lot of lot of stuff's been covered. Next week, uh, we're going to start delving into free agency since that's when it's going to be starting up. Uh, I believe it's on Friday, if I'm not mistaken, uh, which is going to be really exciting. There's the whole drama between Kyrie and where he's going to end up uh, landing, if he's going to be staying in Brooklyn, uh, or if he's going to potentially be going to the Cliff or the, the Lakers, which uh, he has done. He has tried to go his whole life to try to go away from LeBron, and he's he made a decision. That's the. Oh, he did. Yeah. He's staying. Oh, staying that's great. <laughs> well, there, there's yeah. a spoiler for next week. It was like the week. same day. <laughs> yeah. the same day. The same day he says he's going to explore sign and trains was the same day he picked up his player option. <laughs> Kyrie, no one knows what Kyrie's going to do. Uh, he still no, might back out. ESPN, true. True. ESPN paid him <laughs> because they're like, "Hey, we have nothing to talk about. Can you? We need content." <laughs> can, can you talk about going to the Lakers? Because that Spoiler would be Spoiler alert. Hour. It was actually me that leaked it. Because I wanted stuff to talk about on the podcast today. Oh, so you're welcome, everybody. Go to, thank you. Go to, thank you. Thank you, Carson. You saved you're the welcome. show. We can dive in. There's still a lot to say about Kevin Durant, though. So maybe we can yeah. talk about that guy. But uh, this, will be the, uh, this will be the last episode of season one. Uh, guys, thank you so much. Uh, round of applause. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we did reach over 500 downloads on the, the podcast, so we're super thankful for that, everybody that's listening. Um, and uh, season two will start next week um, as we start free agency. So we'll be super excited to see you guys then. But as for now, thanks for taking note.